0: You're listening to Making Waves, the podcast exploring innovation, business, and creativity in AV. I'm Zoe Mutter, editor of AV Magazine, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Chris Hope, co-founder of The Loop Lab, to talk about the important role his team is playing in encouraging the next generation of AV professionals to join the industry, whilst helping develop the skills they need and striving for diversity and inclusion. In line with this episode's workforce development and training theme, later in the show, we bring you highlights from a fascinating panel discussion that took place on the main stage at this year's ISE, which saw AV Magazine's Clive Caldwell, AllWave AV's Coldip Kamat, Avix's Joseph Valerio and Cedia's Ian Bryant and Amanda Wildman gather to discuss AV workforce development and how best to recruit new talent. But first, we hear from The Loop Lab's Chris Hope. Okay, so hi Chris, thank you for joining us. Um, so how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well, I'm doing very well. Uh, I appreciate being on the show, I'm grateful. And also, you know, the fact that we are talking all the way across the Atlantic um, yep. in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, thank you.
0: Making use of the technology that we're writing about all the time. <laughs> And I know it's a busy time for you at the moment. So, yeah, thank you for taking the time out to chat to us. Um, And we're really excited to have you on the podcast to talk about the work the Loop Lab is doing to empower young adults, people of colour and women to enter the industry. Um, So if you could just begin uh, by telling me a bit more about the Loop Lab, um, its main goals and the core skills students learn throughout the education programmes.
1: No, absolutely. So, The Loop Lab is a nonprofit organization located in greater Boston, Massachusetts, specifically Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, Our mission is to empower young adults of color and women from the ages of 18 to 26 years old to enter the workforce development space in AV. Um, And so, you know, really getting into kind of the biggest thing is some things are devices for other things. So essentially here at the Loop Lab, we've taken the need for urban youth to have a creative outlet in media and in music, then created a holistic program that empowers them to become more self-effective in their professional and personal lives, and really connects them to real education and work pipelines in AV and in media arts that can create opportunities for them that are actually sustainable. And so what this looks like for us is a six month curriculum that where young adults of color and women are trained in audio video production, small business skills, financial education, and life skills, because we believe that it's important to address all of those things. In addition to that, they have free access to behavioral health services, and and they get college credit through our partnership with the Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology, which is a technical two-year school here in Boston, Massachusetts. Through that, they get a full scholarship to go to Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology, specifically in their AV Technology Associate's Degree, and they get real-world training. After they complete our six months of training, they go into paid internships that last anywhere from five to six months. So it's really a a full, almost a year of really giving them a step up into the the creative economy and also the, the tech economy. To regenerate our practice or to sustain our practice, we operate a media production studio that for hire creates content for clients and other partner organizations. So if you are an organization or a company looking for that 60-second video that summarizes what you do, how you do it, and who you impact, we hire our alumni to produce that work and to actually create that video content. In addition to that, we hire our alumni to run our summer programming for 14 to 18 year olds, uh, which is a whole nother uh, programming that we're doing. In addition to that, we are launching in 2021 uh, an AV apprenticeship program. And and this is in collaboration with several other companies. And I'll name drop uh, definitely one of our biggest one, Red Thread, which, as you may or may not know, is a part of Steelcase. Um, as well as other organizations and companies in AV that are really passionate about having a federally sponsored AV program. So that's the significance of this. This will be a, a federally sponsored here in the States, uh, a AV program, an apprenticeship where young adults um, from the ages of 18 all the way up to 40, actually, will get a really hands on experience working. As apprentices in pro AV,
0: and what inspired you, um, first of all, to to launch the um, initiative, and how has it developed from the early days?
1: So originally, you know, I, I did pro AV work for my church, Pentecostal Tabernacle. I have to give a big shout out to them in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And the church that I worked in, that I work in, you know, long story short, as a student at Harvard Divinity School, I was also very passionate about restoring broken lives. And seeing so many people in that, in the neighborhood that my church served being broken, uh, people that were coming in and out of prison because the school to prison pipeline for many young adults of color is very real. Um, in addition to that, you know, really being there to pray with the mothers that would come into the church because their daughters or sons were going through a lot of challenges with unemployment, chronic underemployment, chronic unemployment. I said to myself, you know, you can pray with people or you can try to be the answered prayer. Four people, and so I started mentoring a lot of the young adults in in the community where my church is located, which is the lowest uh, income generating neighborhood in the entire city of Cambridge, the, the Port neighborhood. And from there, I started mentoring many of the young black and brown men and women in that neighborhood, and bringing them into kind of the church, bringing them into the studio. So for them, they got a, a space where they can do their music and be creative. But also I was able to, again, some things are devices for other things. I was really able to show them how do you work a board, right? How do you actually do the mixing in a board? You know, how do you also understand the other elements, right? If you have a guest that to come on to a show, what is the kind of work that goes behind the scenes? And so as I started exposing them slowly to, but surely to these other permutations of the audio video industry, their eyes and their, their, their horizons were expanded. Originally, they wanted to just be a rapper, but now they see all kinds of possibilities that exist with the same similar technical knowledge. And so from there, the city of Cambridge reached out and asked if uh, I was interested in creating a formal program. And we ended up working with other organizations, people. Community leaders. I ended up interviewing over 150 citizens in that neighborhood just to ask them. Really, getting information from the community itself. And the two things that consistently came up were economic opportunity and creative outlet. People wanted a creative outlet to to learn, to grow, and to express themselves and their values as a community. And from there, the Loop Lab was created in 2017. Uh, thankfully, Art Place America. Our our biggest funder uh, really gave us a quarter million dollars to start and for uh, three years later, we've generated and and graduated um, many young adults into the pro AV and media arts space. And in addition to that, we're just continuing to develop more programming. And so even though it started originally as this project that was very community centered and community based, the themes of really creating a pipeline into the pro AV space, and also digital media space, as well as the need to really push forward racial and also gender equity within the tech space, is universal across the board and so we, we have a lot of traction not only in Boston but around the country, thankfully, as well as um, around the, around the world, thankfully as well and know uh, everyone from the United Nations has invited us to speak about the importance of advancing uh, you know, equity within the workforce, uh, particularly, particularly when we talk about workforce development and training, and also other institutions such as Avixa, which has been an amazing partner in this work. And so thank you for, you know, that question. It's a really good question. Yeah.
0: And can you just run through um, how the program's funded a bit more? Because you mentioned um, how, it, how it started up and how you're going to be funding moving forward? Are you looking for more people to partner with?
1: Loop Lab is a nonprofit social enterprise. And so even though right now, I would say roughly 50% of our, our, you know, our revenue is coming from foundation support. So these are institutions that see the the mission of what we're doing and really want to be partners with us in advancing that. So they help to sustain our operating operations budget, um, as well as other things, because we actually give stipends to our students. So they help with that piece. Um, our payroll, but a huge part of our, our, of our revenue up to almost 30% now is our for hire video production studio. As I mentioned earlier, what's innovative about our program is early on, we thought to ourselves, you know, we really have to be sustainable and create a model of sustainability, especially in the midst of this is pre COVID, right? So, but, but now that it is COVID, you know, you, you have this era of austerity that companies, organizations and individuals are going to be going through because of the economic uncertainty. And so 30 percent of what what we generate comes from our alumni. You know, they we train them, we give them the tools and we pay them at above livable wage to go forth and to do video projects. And some some of these video projects vary in in size and scope Um, So, for example. Uh, we're going to be working here in Massachusetts that we have what's called the MBTA, uh, which is the transportation system. And we're working on a project with them to essentially uh, encourage, like we're developing a series of commercials for a campaign that they're doing. Another project that we've just recently engaged in is we actually did a virtual walkthrough of a development site. Because of COVID, folks can't just walk through a development site in process to really get an idea of the, you know, what they're investing money in. Um, but for us, we created an AV solution where we had an on-site operator who was able to socially distance safely broadcasting as we had a moderator talking about each floor, each room. And so these are the, but the, the, the importance of that is these are again, our alum who are all young people of color um, or women. And in addition to that, So we're not only diversifying the field in practice, we're also an employer. But another point of that is early on, we were an adopter of broadcasting and live streaming services in our region. And so when COVID hit, a lot of companies um, did not adapt as quickly or as well. So organizations, though, they still need to do fundraisers. Organizations still need to keep engagement with their audiences. And so we, early on, were able to communicate to our partners and to other folks to say, hey, we have the expertise, we have the skills. If you're interested in, in really creating a virtual solution uh, for your company or for your organization, we would love to talk. And so thankfully, we've seen like an uptick in demand of like 15% of our, our for hire services so far. Um, the rest of the revenue that we're looking at is consultancy uh organize in the midst of you know the murders uh you know the the murders that are international of young black men here and young black women here uh from police officers it's really created an urgent moment for organizations to really look at themselves and say are we doing everything in our effort to advance the 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 importance of racial equity and so there are a lot of organizations and a lot of our partners have reached out to us to really consult on equity and inclusion and diversity challenges that they're having. And so we really try to promote, um, you know, messaging around the importance of it. And we have a whole curriculum, if you will, about that. But the biggest thing is that ha- has been essentially also a revenue generator. Uh, we really, this this time that we're living in is really important for pro AV companies to step up. And really get involved in, in the importance of racial equity as it pertains to workforce development. Our market for, for a very, very long time, I have a CTS. I've been in Pro AV for years, but our market, as everyone is familiar, has generally been a market that can be expressed as, you know, pretty much the, the, you know, white men over 40 with polo shirt club, right? And that's people's idea of what Pro AV is. Like who works in a Pro AV? But in reality, we all know that there's um, other kinds of people that can come into the industry and are welcomed into the industry. And I think that the messaging here we have to make and companies have to make is that they're willing to put their money where their mouth is by supporting organizations like the Loop Lab and other organizations that are really trying to advance racial equity and advance racial equity within their own industry and what that could look like is sponsorship, right? Sponsoring opportunities, sponsoring projects. One of the huge uh things that we're looking to do is representation is at a all uh, of of multicultural, multiethnic, multiracial representation in pro AV is at an all-time low. And where you can readily see it is on YouTube when you look at tutorials on like for example how how, how to properly wire, you know, how to properly um, wrap cable you know, usually, again, it's, the, you know, 40 and up white male who, you know, ran a polo shirt doing it. And, and the question becomes is like, it, representation is important for a young Latina woman coming out of, you know, the, the inner city to be able to look online, who's interested in pro-AV, but for her to be able to see someone who looks like her, uh, someone who she feels like she can identify with, you know, really demonstrating how to do A-V work um that really makes a huge difference and i think some people take that for granted uh, or or seeing a, a a young black man demonstrating those things so we're interested in partnering with organizations that agree on the importance of representation by sponsoring a series of videos that our alumni can actually create and produce and and also that's a opportunity for the pro av company to put their brand on it of course now another project that i think that partners can really uh, Co- coalesce around is this federally sponsored apprenticeship that we will be launching in 2021 and by the grace of god what that looks like essentially is an opportunity to get behind a a, a program that is specific to again marginalized people entering the pro av space and so essentially our partner vixa has provided the curriculum and the goal of the apprenticeship is basically getting them from zero to ultimately get uh, to obtaining their CTS. And, and, and so at the end of the apprenticeship, they would, they'll have work, work experience. They'll be paid above livable wage and they'll be in the industry working for a formidable company and leaving the program with their CTS and tax. And so, uh, but, but we need partners for that. We need corporate partners who are willing to take on our apprentices, um, in Massachusetts and then later on in other parts of the United States um and, and that, and that that is becomes a very imperative opportunity so when we talk about creating pipelines for people of color that is where you start um investing actually and in, in saying taking a chance right even though we're going into a, a period of austerity i think that it's still imperative to to make your decisions based on values if you're value if you truly value diversity and you truly value the importance of fairness of justice of equity then it really becomes not a matter of if you should, it's more of a matter of how should we do this.
0: So will that program initially be available just for people in Massachusetts and then it will hopefully develop and spread across the US and then hopefully globally, would you say?
1: That's correct. The idea, yeah, we will be launching this in 2021 here in Massachusetts. And then off of the, the momentum of that um that particular pilot of the AV apprenticeship, we will be looking for partners to expand it uh, across the country. And the fact that it it will have federal sponsorship and state sponsorship in Massachusetts really allows it to have the, the kind of legs that could potentially be uh, everywhere. Um, And so we're very excited about that and thankful to the department of labor, uh, you know, here in the United States as well as partners in the state of Massachusetts for helping us um, get that off the ground. But again, we need, we, need, we need actual, uh, the industry to come in, more of the industry to come in and, and see the importance of this, of creating pipelines, taking a chance on our apprentices and, and, and investing in the, in, the, in, in the process as well.
0: Yeah, and, and from the education projects you've mentioned, it sounds like you cover the full scope of AV skills. Um, would you say that the, um, one of the main benefits of your program is the practical element? Would you say that's what makes it stand out from other offerings?
1: Absolutely. We not only teach, you know, how to build a rack, but we also teach how to manage your budget. <laughs> you know, and I think that when I mentioned earlier I said that this is a holistic approach. Uh it goes back to my ministry days, really. As a minister, you know, we don't, we're not just concerned with your spiritual well-being. We're concerned with the holistic well-being, mind, body, and spirit. Um uh, because one will impact the other. And so if you have individuals that are unfortunately come from compromised positions in that they come from low-income backgrounds, they come from communities that have been over-policed, communities that have a massive amount of trauma, it's not just enough to create a job opportunity for them, right? Because they have a lot of factors that are working against them. And so equity is about fairness. Equity is about understanding and acknowledging those barriers and doing whatever we can as a society, as people, to try to lessen those barriers as much as possible. That's why we pay our students to do the program. It's a free program, but we pay them to compensate them for their time, which they understand that through workforce, right? Like their time is valuable. Um, but at the same time, we understand they have bills, they have needs, and they have other financial barriers. And and for for them to take time off for professional development lands very differently than someone who already has maybe a 15 year career making you know six figures or whatever, right? Um, professional development and the need for that is important for everyone, but not everybody has the same access to it. And so for us, um, it really becomes important to, to speak to that and to address the other barriers. That's why we offer, we have a partner that offers um, behavioral health services for free because a lot of these young adults are dealing with all kinds of trauma, right? And that has to be addressed because it impacts their work, you know. And I think that it, you know, the innovation comes from this idea that human development is workforce development. And I think that unless you address the human development aspect of workforce development, you're just gonna unfortunately get this circle uh, of of inefficacy. And that's not what we're here for. We're trying to advance the movement forward.
0: Yeah and your role must be very rewarding seeing people excel. Um so I'm just wondering if you could highlight a couple of success stories um uh, of people you've you even people you've worked with as well in your team that have helped you achieve those results.
1: Yeah, a huge shout out to Matt Malakowski. He's worked in the AV industry for over 20 years. He's one of our, he's our program manager and he's helped to design an amazing program. Um, I will say that two success stories that I am all, I mean, all of our students, I feel like are successful, right? Like, that's just maybe my bias, but uh, one in particular, he's an alum. His name is Nico Maniga. Uh He did maybe two years of college in various universities, but ultimately had he struggled financially and struggled to maintain exactly what he wanted to do with his life. And so he applied for a program, and then when he applied, he was unemployed, chronically unemployed. And, you know, again, he had debt because he, he had already did two years at two different schools and was trying to figure things out. And so through our program, he learned more about himself, not just about the skills needed, but more about who he was and what he wanted to see and achieve in his life. And he saw he sees AV as the direction for that. Um, he's always been interested in and passionate about video and music, but he just didn't know there was all these other permutations of it. And so by exposing him and educating him, we were able to effectively get him uh, through our program. He graduated. And because our program offers uh, a free tuition in college at the same time in up to a year, he just finished his first semester at Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology. And he's going to to be doing another semester in which he'll essentially have his associate's degree for free um, just because he's been able to do uh, not only take our our program, which is college credit, but also programming there at Benjamin Franklin. In addition to that, he works part time for us doing video production work, making $22 an hour. Uh, In addition to that, he's also an entrepreneur. So he does videography and AV work. Uh, on on the side because we teach how to be your own contractor, right? Because being a contractor here in the states, you get taxed very differently than you would if you work a nine to five W two. And so we educate them in the program on what taxation looks like and how to calculate that and how to manage your budget. And so he he does everything from fil- filming weddings, contracting on AV sites, uh, and so he went from again unemployed. To now, like, about to finish his associate's degree for free. He's working. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing very well. <laughs> and he be, he's become a member of Avixa, and Avixa's been really helpful to him, and he's found their curriculum to be amazing, and he's looking forward to obtaining his CTS. Uh, a, a current student that we have now is, is, her name's Katie. Huge shout out to Katie as well. Uh, but she came in our program at the early, early this year in a position you know, she's 23, doesn't have a college degree, but currently works in finance as an assistant and really f- has felt for years that that wasn't really the field for her. You know, she's very creative, but very interested into the technical side of creativity. You know, so, so, you know, when we, when we talk about pro AV, she is that person, a Vixen woman, right? Um, and, and, and sure enough, she joined our program and it's just been a rock star. You know, she's currently doing an inter paid internship this summer. Uh, working AV. In addition to that, you know, she's again working for us doing some video work. Um, and, and in addition to that, she's going to be enrolling at Leslie University College of Art and Design, which actually has a digital media program. And we're, we're, we're currently partnered with Leslie University in Boston, um, in that program. And so they gave, they've given her a free scholarship. But I think that those are the types of opportunities that we can create as we work together with partners. I would love to see what, you know, a, a scholarship fund for some of our students would look like um, that's named after some of the companies out there. You know, what is the ABI SPL? Not to sh- no, put anybody on the spot, but what would the ABI SPL, um, you know, scholarship look like? Or what would a future scholarship look like? for one of our young adults uh, to get yeah, into AV, great. you know?
0: Do you think often the the issue is that some people aren't aware of all the careers that are available within AV or, we don't, or everyone doesn't publicise them enough?
1: It goes back to representation, right? If I tell somebody who knows absolutely nothing about AV um, about it, okay, that's one thing. But when I show it to you and all you see is people that don't look like you doing it, There's already a subconscious message there that this is not the environment for you, right? When we talk about not just AV, but the tech space in general across the board, you see low levels of representation for women and definitely a lower uh, segment of representation for non-Asian people of color, typically in the, at least in the West. And a big part of that is the representation piece. Who do you get to see doing this kind of work? Um, so I think that. Being intentional, you know, and, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with mindfulness, but being more mindful in your practices and why you do what you do and how you do what you do becomes imperative, right? Okay, like we need to be intentional about who we're showing doing this kind of work. Do you have someone from the LGBTQ space that's, you know, in some of these videos doing tutorials? Uh, do you have, you know, people of color? You know, those are the, the people with disabilities, right? Those are certain things that we have to start getting more in the habit of thinking around, unless you just want to have a hermetically sealed environment, which it's been. And I don't think I think that there's a lot of potential and opportunity to expand and advance.
0: Do you think there maybe needs to be diversity offices within organizations as well? A lot yeah, I,
1: I, I, I think that helps. And it can't just stop there. You can't just hire the one black or brown person and say, oh, well, we've taken care of diversity like, it has to be a cultural phenomena. It has to be a cultural move. And the only way that you can change culture is from the C-suite. That's it, leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. If the leaders at the top say what they value and their action is in alignment with their words, it trickles down, it really does. And we need leaders in these organizations that are not just leading for a bonus, they're leading with the heart of understanding the importance of equity. You know, bonuses are cool. I'm not putting down the bonuses. And there's a way to there's a way to win financially as well as being diverse and equitable. And I and I think that being more conscious and mindful of that will be will actually move the pro A V space forward and in a phenomenal way. Because there's so much opportunity. And there are believe it or not, there is a lot of people out there that would be incredible for the field. They just may not look a certain way that we were used to seeing people that do pro-AV. And um, I'll say also another part of it is some folks, you know, they're, they're not necessarily familiar with pro-AV, right? Like a big part of it is education, too. We have to educate our students. And the way we do that is, again, starting on the principle that some things are devices for other things. So all of our young adults come in with an idea or focus on creativity. They come in just interested, you know, because, oh, wow, okay, I have access to a free studio, right? So they want to do their music. But it's our way of actually saying, no, nope, we got you. Now it's time to expose you to way more, right? Instead of talking about what's behind you, know, behind, you know, who's in front of the microphone, let's talk about what's behind the mic, right? Let's talk about what goes into the board. Let's talk about what, what you know, how to work this equipment. And then that's when the mind is like, oh, wow, okay, there's a whole thing here. So a big part of it is being intentional about uh, meeting people where they are instead of trying to force them uh, to meet, you know, to get to your level or or a level where you feel comfortable. Um, Because, again, there's a large part of people who don't really know what the field is of pro AV. And, you know, to be honest, people in AV are, uh, you know, it's a very broad industry. Right. There's such a broad industry. So there's a lot to know. And so there has to be that education piece as well.
0: So it's about making people aware of all the cool companies and roles that they could actually take on within AV.
1: Right, and meeting them where they are, because I'll be honest with you, pro AV is not necessarily a sexy industry for someone who's like, you know, 20 or 25, for, for a lot of folks, right? Which is fine. I mean, most people that come in as like technicians, they come in because either through the church or they come in because they're musicians, right? And it's through the music, that they find, okay, there's there's, a, there's actually a gig that I can actually do to make money no matter what. And I think that that's how a lot of people's entry point is in the AV. Um, it has been through kind of the create, creative um, process or through the creativity space. Um, But that's fine, you know what I mean? However they can get in, they can get in. But I think we should be intentional about the industry, about how we do that. Yeah, and
0: are there any um, programmes across the globe, really, that you've been impressed by that are doing kind of similar work to the Loop Lab.
1: I would say a huge shout out to, uh, you know, Vixa Diversity Council. Um, they're doing it with Charmaine, um, who's just doing incredible work with the Vixit uh, Diversity Council. And, you know, again, they, they're collaborators. I'm, par- I'm a part of the council, which has been phenomenal. Meeting people from all over the country, uh, talking about the importance of diversity, uh, thinking around that as an industry on a whole. Um, but also I would give a huge shout out to Latoya at Event U in Washington, D.C. Event U is a, a really great nonprofit that's, in, you know, it's really focused on events, kind of the events, uh, industry and the hospitality industry. But a huge part of that, as you can imagine, is AV, right? And so they expose their, their kids to a lot of AV stuff. And, and, um, a huge shout out to Latoya doing that great work there. But I would say that um, in addition to those folks, there are other folks that I'm aware of that have been doing great work, and you know, and here at the Loop Lab, we we salute and we want to work with as many people as possible, um, because the only way I think the best way to get forward and move the agenda of equity forward is together.
0: And do you think maybe there need to be more dedicated degree programs like in the in the UK? Maybe diplomas just in AV. Do you think there, there are enough of those at the moment?
1: So what I, I think that what makes the pro AV space so attractive to a lot of young people or the people that we deal with is this low entry barrier, right? When you talk about a lot of young adults that have graduated high school or secondary school, but they're not in college, they're still trying to figure stuff out, if you will. Um, it, you know, pro AV is one of those industries, one of the only real middle class industries uh, for for people left. You know, when you think about back in the day, you know, in my grandfather's time, you had the milkman, and you know, now you have like the postperson, or the milk, you know, and, and and you have those kinds of roles. Uh, similarly, pro AV is one of the only few spaces where you can come in without a college degree, work really hard, uh, learn, be humble, and within time you could be making up to anywhere five, you know, you know, seventy-five thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so that's very attractive uh, to a lot of folks. But having said that, I think that college in some cases could be a, a good thing. Obviously, I do because we partner with a lot of universities and colleges. And I think that a lot of, uh, universities or technical schools that are dedicated to Pro AV and some permutation, it would behoove them to think about certifications like, a you know, a CDS certifications, uh, VIXA certifications, even the micro certs and making that kind of the basis of a lot of their curriculum. Cause it's a very different thing than like, you know, being a a comparative religion major or comparative literature major, right? Like that's a cool diploma, but like, okay, what are you going to do for it to make money, right? Whereas with pro AV and that kind of training, it really requires hands-on training, you know, project-based training um, and also certification. So I think that, you know, there definitely is huge room and growth for that and some universities are doing that um and i I still think that there's an opportunity there for workforce development programs such as the loop lab and others that are dedicated in utilizing that same population and understanding that this is uh one of those fields where you have to have you know you're getting prep prepared for the workforce.
0: yeah and, and as you've already mentioned um diversity and equality isn't an essential ingredient for the AV industry in any industry. So I just wondered how you think what, what the next steps are for AV, what do you think they should do in the immediate future? And how do you see that panning out long term?
1: So I serve on the board of My Brother's Keepers Alliance in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and that is through the Obama Foundation, President Obama's foundation. And in that work, what we've been doing, hence the shirt, huge shout out, My Brother's Keeper, good, you know, huge shout out. Um, but that work what we're seeing more and more is companies that are passionate about this issue and really see the, the value in it are one putting their money where their mouth is they by sponsoring and, and investing and in supporting financially organizations activists um, you know companies like the, the loop lab in advancing the agenda um, and also hiring folks right like taking a chance on our folks that are are, are getting certified, they're coming in with training and skills and being able to, you know, really take that chance. Um, but, but in seeing the value of how, fo- you know, bringing on folks like that can bring to your company. But the two is also educating yourself, right? Like companies have to educate themselves. And so hiring consultants, hiring uh, individuals that, that this is their job, their profession, to help companies and organizations improve diversity, improve their inclusionary practices um and And I think that unless you have that type of education you 're unfortunately going to have again this hermetically sealed echo chamber um where again you 're saying you like diversity, but when you, at the end of the day, when you look at the data, you know even less people of color and women are in positions that matter and, and positions that are not that to say they don 't matter but one thing i 've noticed often is that there are women in the industry but oftentimes they're not in the C-suite and they're not, you know, even in mid-management, they're the front office. And there's nothing wrong with working in the front office. And we know that there are women leaders, female leaders that absolutely have the talent, the grit, and the intelligence and wisdom to work in leadership uh, with some of these companies. And, And so I think be you know let's let's be explicit about what's happening here and and that goes the same for people of color black black people brown people um too not making it up to upper management positions um so i i think you know we have to really first call it what it is be explicit acknowledge it but then act on it right okay we acknowledge we become aware um own it but then we also now have to act in advance and so i think the next steps are more investing in your, your workforce pipelines and um, in, in, in talking about inclusion and diversity. So that means hiring folks to educate. Uh, that also means actually hiring folks <laughs> and looking at the metrics. Okay. It's been a year since we started an initiative. How many more people of color and women are, are we retaining, you know, because it's not just enough to hire folks. You actually, you actually have to create a culture, a company culture that's welcoming and inviting and in respective of people's differences, right? Um, because if you don't, you can have a whole bunch of people come into your company, but they're gone in a year or two, right? Um, and they may not say why they're gone, or there may be some other reason they give, but people aren't stupid. They know when they've been duped, right? Um, and so that's another thing that we, I, 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 I'm hoping that, um, people in positions of decision making in the, in the corporate office, our understanding and uh, are sensitive to. And you
0: you mentioned, uh, you mentioned you're mentioned you launching the new program next year. Um, what else is on the horizon for the Loop Lab? Do you see yourself expanding into other countries I may be launching in the UK or?
1: I would love to launch it. Hey, you let me know and we will launch something in London, Loop Lab London. I mean, alliteration. I mean, that'd be perfect. <laughs> it has an awesome ring to it. I love it. Uh, I love London. But uh, I think that what's, amazing about the history of the Loop Lab is it really is pro-AV work as civic practice, right? We always talk about enhancing the communication and communication experience in AV. And with the Loop Lab, even though it started with a very localized, distinct neighborhood perspective, because again, it came from civic practice. It came from me acknowledging the needs of, of the neighborhood I serve and the the people around me uh it's you that that is you I, i've realized that the theme of underrepresentation in the industry um the themes of unfortunately the 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 school to prison pipeline those are very universal and i think that you'll see that in some permutation around the country if not around the world and so really it becomes something where you know organizations see the importance of advancing the mission to empower people to enter the workforce and they put their money where their mouth is, but also partner. Um, this is a partnership. Uh, we're so thankful to our partners. We have we partnered with Amazon, who uh, continues to fund a lot of our work um, as well as Audible, uh, which is a part of Amazon who works with our young adults and they work with our young adults by hiring them to produce a series of content for for Audible. Um, you know, other organizations such as Isotope, which gives software and, and also donations. Um, you know, but corporations have, a, a, I think, a, a responsibility not only to not only to their stakeholders, but importantly to the communities that they, their products are serving. And so I think that there are a myriad of ways that folks can uh, partner with the Loop Lab in ensuring that it spreads. And I think the biggest thing is, again, that partnership part. And if anyone wants to reach out to me to, you know, to, to try to find out how your company, your organization can partner, uh, please contact me. My, my email address is hope at thelooplab.org or look at our website, thelooplab.org.
0: Yeah, it'd be great to see uh, The Loop Lab go global. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next.
1: Thank you. And, and I, I want to say thank you so much for AV Magazine. Uh, for creating a platform for for myself and also our mission, which I think is also a, a mission of the pro AV industry. You know, like I think there's opportunity for expansion, innovation and growth, but that cannot look um, homo- homogeneous. That has to look heterogeneous. It has to look uh, diverse. And because people from diverse backgrounds uh, can see things that other folks can't see um, and can bring certain perspectives that definitely can help and advance your bottom line as a company. So I, I, I definitely want to give AV Magazine uh, and yourself a huge shout out for highlighting this. Um, in addition to that, I want to give a shout out to um, the Obama administration as far as uh, the Obama Foundation for also supporting our work.
0: Well, thank you so much, Chris. It's been really fantastic talking to you and we'll catch up soon. That was the ever-so-wonderful Chris Hope from The Loop Lab. What incredibly important work they're doing in helping drive the industry forward whilst ensuring there are no barriers preventing anyone from joining the world of AV. And now it's on to the second segment of the show, a panel debate from this year's ISE on how the AV industry can recruit new talent and develop the workforce. The session was moderated by Avix's Joseph Valerio and featured AV Magazine's Clive Caldwell, All Wave AV's Kuldeep Kamat, and CD is Ian Bryant and Amanda Wildman on the panel.
2: What we're looking at in the world and the research from our organizations has effectively shown us that young people still don't really grow up dreaming to be AV professionals, right?
3: Yep,
2: absolutely. Unfortunately, no, they will. So, what you know, really, what's then, what's that mean about? of companies in some form, over 90% at least, that means a majority of companies in our industry. From the research we've done at our organizations, the work that Clive's done has shown us that companies in our industry believe that there is, in fact, a skills gap and there's a crisis happening. Even if they're fully staffed, they agree with that that statement. So um, Clive, I thought with Maybe asking briefly, what have you noticed? Are some of the key challenges right now facing us?
3: Well, I don't want to be a doomslayer or doom or whatever you call it, but um, you know, clearly we try and monitor the industry. Not, I mean, we are limited in our research capability, but we we do have a pretty good uh, feel on, on quite a few things, and it's it can be quite complex whichever, whichever way you're looking at it. Um, we were looking at two things really. One is um, what are we doing to new talent will pull any kind of talent into our industry. And secondly, how are we remunerating paying salaries and encouraging these people to succeed in life in their own companies? It's a two pronged thing really. Um the problem we've got as we as we came to the conclusion, which led to us actually uh, partly redesigning well, redesigning the magazine, thinking about how we communicate to everybody and whether we're doing it in the right way, is that um Having talks with initially middlesbrough and, and various other people is that uh, AV is pretty damned invisible to most <laughs> most of the generations there if you want to patronizingly call them that, and going down to Bournemouth seeing SCOMS and LTSmG and so on, and talking to people with education there you see all these people doing elements of AV all individually, not actually looking upon the profession that we have as a whole. Um, Secondly, what we do is so uh, pretty amazing and creative, but no one really is seeing that or or relating that to what the AV industry is doing. Uh, Secondly, the industry itself says it's actually having a a dearth of talent, Uh, and certainly the technician, system designer, uh, and the the installation level, uh, its sales side seems to be okay, although it could be better. There are certain minor increases, uh, but actually attracting talent, is partly a problem, but also there seems to be a disproportionately high level of freelancers who are actually taking up slack very expensively, uh, who are not really taking the right ownership of projects and that investment is not being made in the company's own internal expertise. So you're not actually building your own expertise base, you're not in a way rewarding it adequately because the entry salaries are quite low. Because margins are now being driven through the floor there's no time, to, you, want to hit, you want to hit the floor running with, with new recruits and there's no time for training uh, or development of any kind or who is being taken on as, as a basic apprentice is either, if they're renowned to be a part of a good training program, being nicked by the competitor. Uh, and this is almost like a vicious circle. So the recruitment industry is saying, well, they're not paying enough. They're not actually carrying out their interviews in the, the, the proper professional way. And the industry itself is, well, we're just fighting for survival at the minute, and we're trying to do this. So it's, it's, a, it's a combination of, of, of things that have emerged over the last few years that we've all been slightly aware and suspicious of, but didn't actually know. And now we're starting to think, well, hang on a minute. It led to our cover story towards the end of last year being, listen, we need, we need to... You know, draw a line on this actually what is the industry doing I and mean, we because the industry needs to actually sell itself better and get out there and do things sure. uh, and yeah. not actually ask for help from other areas until it's sorted itself out anyway go on.
2: that's a great segue thank you to sort of my quiet, next man. question is how do we um, what are the risks if we don't step up and we change I'll open it up to the panel go
4: ahead,
2: go ahead Amanda <laughs>
4: I was going to say, uh, one of the biggest risks is is that you don't get um, new ideas, you don't get new talent, uh, the workload, I mean, I'm a small business, so I wear many, many different hats. I actually um, am out in the field um, as well, so I'm one of the field technicians. Um, I happen to actually really like that part um, as being a female, and I don't see very many um, of me out there. Uh, but... It just makes a larger workload on fewer people, and the demand, as we see, is not going down anywhere. Um, people are wanting more and more technology. They're reaching out to try to find more and more technology. They want people to set it up, but if we don't have that workforce that's able to do that, um, then you get people that uh, do, deal with DIY products and things like that and have a terrible experience, and then that turns them off to the entire uh, technology in and of itself. Yeah. Anybody else?
2: Um,
5: basically, uh, is, my, is my mic on?
4: There you
2: go.
5: Alright, thank you. Um, basically, you know, if you look at the evolution of the industry, um, the audiovisual industry has traditionally been, uh, like 20, 25 years back, someone who's passionate about AV, um, would set up a company or join someone else and then grow it up as what I like to call a doctor or a lawyer, like, you know, uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, but the demands of the modern workplace uh, force uh, large companies uh, as well as customers who have a more industrial engineering approach, a uh, very uh, standards driven approach. Um, some of these are now becoming regional or even global deployments where you need to have a consistency in terms of uh, uh, the skill sets. Um, so the risk uh, which you mentioned is if you don't evolve, it'll continue to be a hobbyist industry. And that is extremely dangerous for us because we'll never grow We'll never be able to uh, come neck and neck with the IT industry. Of course, there are several leagues ahead of us. But of course, the distinction between IT and AV is going. So the way projects are being deployed, right from you know needs gathering, the design, uh, uh, the whole specifying uh, implementation and after-sales support, uh, the, the level of professionalism that still needs to be brought up is pretty high. And uh, the skill set or even the, the type of talent needs to be drawn up at a very young level versus people just stumbling into the AV industry, which has been happening. Yeah,
6: yeah we ahead, were yeah. talking about that yesterday and uh, I wanted to, to, to jump on that same thing. We've been continually talking about uh, making sure that everyone understands it, to think of technology as a utility. Uh, and when you think in that way, we have to uh, make sure that our Technicians and our designers and our engineers are professional, and they're being upskilled, and they're continuing their education uh, forward. And and if we if we don't go down that road, what Amanda was saying is about the DIY and the the bad experiences that will continue to happen. Um, it it's a it's a must it's a must thing. It has sure. to change.
2: Sure, yeah. absolutely, and I think really what we're talking about is is showing the next generation that this is really the place for them, right? And uh, the work that we've done, I'll speak I'll put my Avixa Foundation hat back on, is, is identify really that the one thing that we need, of course, is more visibility and awareness that this industry is so creative and, and really that they're already creative people, simply that they can get paid for it, right? How cool would that be? Uh, and then, of course, taking the skills gap to the next level and helping them upskill from that point, enabling that growth and, and sort of upward, uplifting them. And then really making our companies and our associations be bridges into the community for them to fi- be hired. So I guess that would then move, help us move on to that visibility portion. Let's, let's talk about that. What are some of the challenges that, I know Amanda had some stories in our call previous, as preparation for this. What are some of the challenges you're seeing about awareness in our industry, for our industry?
4: Well, uh, obviously, I'll put on my like women in AV hat for just sure. one second, if you don't mind. But I think part of um, having the women in AV um, as well as supporting that is not just seeing women that come in and work in the office and women that work in in the sales, but seeing women that are also the technicians, women that are also the programmers. um, And more importantly, in addition to that, even just supporting women is women having conversations because like I'm also the mother of um, some kids that are getting ready to go off to university um, and are in middle school. And I think women in general have a real, especially mothers have a real um, opportunity to talk to their children about careers um, um, in that. and um, when kids are choosing where they're going to school or what their career path is, um, moms kind of have that unique um, perspective and that unique ability to kind of help have that conversation um, with their children um, and with the guidance counselors and things like that that are a little bit different than maybe even dads um, you know have as an opportunity. so I think that that's important um, to support that. like, A week from now, when I get back, I'm actually going to a middle school to talk about my career. I mean, yesterday was phenomenal having university students here, but a lot of them have already gone through all of their degrees and now they're just looking for jobs, but we haven't created that excitement all the way up through. I'm going to a middle school, seventh and eighth grade students, and talking to them about my career. It's a lot more magical and a lot more exciting to them, and if I can get them started early to think about that all the way through. I think that that's important.
2: Sure. And I think part of it also is, I know kaldeep you mentioned to me before in passing that we're kind of underselling ourselves.
5: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think the value we bring uh, to the table as an integrator is not just hooking up displays and putting up microphones, right? Um, the more we have conversations with large enterprises. Um, I think we need to rebrand ourselves as technology integration, not AV. Uh, one of my mentors keeps correcting me when I use the word AV. It's almost out of my dictionary right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all got to be technology integration. Look at the projects that a lot of integrators are doing it almost without saying they're doing it. So they're doing a lot of projects with small IoT devices. They're doing. Uh, Uh, with networking uh, devices. They've been doing it with some amount of machine learning uh, capability. Um, So there's a lot of layering which is happening above the whole audiovisual experience. Um, One of the things that as an organization what we're trying to do is uh, position ourselves more as a technology and technology applications company. Um, Hopefully from a talent perspective that draws kids much more because there's no real school of AV um and, and And I think we 're working together with the Avixa uh, uh, with your with your foundation to keep driving that year on year we 're going to hit some roadblocks, but eventually what we want to get people excited about is that uh, it's it 's as cool as the i t industry at least in the R part of the world uh, where job security and uh, well, opportunity is much higher and the pay is much higher in the IT industry because it's very storied, Uh, people have made great careers, they've risen up to management, and a lot of them have also gone global. Um, I'm I'm still seeing the early days from our part of the world where we can start taking that and mimicking or at least following the steps of the IT world in that sense. Could I just say, uh,
3: in terms of what what we're perhaps missing here is there seem to be two aspects. I mean... The engineering community looks at AV and calls it creative engineering, not technology integration. And I think there be two levels here. There seems to be no problem with individual creative, as, as we split up into the, all in the, in the, uh, the creative disciplines. There seem to be lots of people coming out there. There seem to be fewer people at the integration and installation level who would, would probably we would associate with apprenticeships, like basic skills. So, yeah. And those are the people who are in short supply, the technicians but we're overwhelmed with a lot of just don't call it AV and that's the difficult you look at main engineering which I do as well they're, they're dedicated traditional paths from school to university to the industry and we're doing a bright sparse programme and it's 50-50 uh, g- women and, and men and they're out doing STEM activities and everything else and they are benefiting from companies going out to them And doing and showing what they're doing, including the students who've gone it, and they do all that. This uh, massive engineering, but STEM work. So technology is not a barrier for them. They've gone beyond that. Mm -hmm. But it seems to be working in engineering, but it doesn't seem to be working within an industry which is fantastically creative, where you thought it would. There would be lots of people. So I don't understand why there's such a dysfunctional nature going on.
2: Well, from what I'm hearing, one takeaway then to our audience would be that. Uh, a little bit of time can go a long way from a company or certainly our associations, as we're trying to do on behalf of the industry, to make it visible by showing how exciting it can be. Um, and it's as easy as working with people who, young people at a school nearby that are already learning some of those skills. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Yeah, Ian, what, what, what's something that CD is doing to, to sort of make that impact?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, CD we've noticed, uh, and if you've been in the industry long enough, you've noticed that the, those that started five plus years ago as technicians have moved their way up because the industry is so good about giving pathways for individuals to continue to grow past technician into engineering and programming and then maybe even business ownership. And, and with that lapse uh, or that gap in the, the workforce, or there's this huge... Uh, Dropout in the technician level. And so Cedia has been uh, working diligently to put together uh, training programs for that entry-level technician in the U.S., in the U.K., in the MEA region. So we have our City and Guilds program, uh, which is accredited across the EMEA region, which is a immersive, uh, one-week, hands-on uh, skills uh, education program. And then additionally, uh, we have our... Um, apprenticeship program, which is with the Institute of Apprenticeships in the UK. And it's a 12 uh, to 18 to 24 month uh, program that once they come out, they're ready to to hit the ground running and and be a a mid-level to lead technician.
4: And I think showcasing it too, like the technician, right? Like if you're a company and you're a business owner and you honor and you respect what your technicians are doing and you elevate them, like I do a lot on my social media platform and people see me like the days when I'm not like, dressed nice or things like that, but I am like freezing cold because I'm like helping pull wire in a new construction house. And, you know, people I think appreciate seeing what it is that they're going to get into. And I think showcasing that we're really good about showing like the beautiful pictures, right? Like everyone from ISE is going to go ahead and they're going to post the beautiful pictures of their booth. But how many people are going to go ahead and post the pictures of the amazing people that helped put it all together um, had to make everything work and showed the entire process. Because we're really good, like I said, about showcasing you know, the icing and making the pretty picture. But we're looking for the people that are willing to go ahead and do that. And if we show them like, hey, you like to work with your hands or you like to be you know, out in the field and, and problem solving and things like that, we need to show those pictures too. Can't just show, I mean, the beautiful, the beauty end part of it. Show the real life and show what it is that you're looking for. Those are the people we're looking for. For, and then elevate them too. When they work at your workplace, give them the kudos. You know, let let the the end result, the customer know that they're a very big, important part of your team. That's going to make them valued and make them want to get involved in our industry.
5: Yeah, Call if you want Yeah, to. I, I think that's a very interesting point Amanda made because ours is w- a one industry where I mean, I've I've been an AMX programmer 20 years ago and. It's only the learning by doing uh, which is, which makes this industry special. Um, You know, sometimes I hate to admit it, but I was a management consultant before this. And uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, how little I knew and I was still advising extremely senior people on what they should be doing. And our industry is absolutely not not like that. You, You learn, you learn by doing, you learn by experimenting, you also learn by failure. Um, but then, if you, if you keep a positive mindset, within five or seven years, you know a lot more than you know, a peer who would have just you know, studied and, and gone on to work in, let's say, finance or consulting. I think that aspect needs to be brought out to the new talent, because that's also the way the technology industry is going, right? The uh, software industry, the startup industry is also a lot of learning by doing. And I think if we can get the younger generation to appreciate the fact that the best learning is learning by doing mm-hmm. um, you know it could be small apprenticeships it could be uh it could be you know a a, 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 a trade school um, it could be small projects it could be assisting a senior technician on site that aspect of learning by doing is extremely critical to development
6: yeah I'd like to second that I highly encourage any uh integration companies or, or manufacturers that have employees that want to continue to learn and give them the platform, the opportunity, uh, whether it be a education program for C, from Cedia or Vixa, um, or if it's just getting a senior level guide or, or woman to, to partner with them inside their facility and teach them at their own, uh, at their own company, uh, that, that way that they're getting that hands-on training and continuing to level up. Yeah,
2: well, and we'll get to some of the great success models, I think, that we can share based on some of the things we've mentioned. Um, but I would also want to be i would we'd be remiss if we didn't maybe go back to Clyde briefly and just say if you could maybe share any other areas where you're seeing the skills gap through the research you've done. And, and which mainly
3: at the te- technician level, I mean, it is worrying that this freelance market it seems to be growing too quickly and is so disproportionate to the in-house skills, which are being lost. I mean, I've... And I cover everything, I have covered everything engineering. i have from Formula One to, to all the other areas. And uh, there are, by the way, there are a lot of women engineers in Formula One, if you look around. Yeah. And the great thing about engineering is they've done it without any fuss. There's been no banging drums. So they said, well, what are they doing that we're not? But it's a the, it's the technical level, which makes me realise, are people not making these connections at schools and making this more attractive? I don't think that's an element I don't think is our, our fault but it's the schools and how the continuing education is being delivered. But technicians definitely stand out. Ironically, the sales and marketing seem to be quite well rem- you know, remunerated. It's just this technician level, and it's, well, that's where the true expertise should be in-house, yeah. in terms of properly managing clients, returning that expertise, and being able to sell, them, especially as we're moving more into service mm-hmm. provision that the AV industry is desperately needs to do, because margins are going to the floor, and they need to offer more value-added services to to probably survive in the next 10 years. Do you have
2: an additional rebuttal?
3: I was just
4: going (laughs) to say something too with yesterday with the students all coming out, you see that 170 students and a lot of them are in that room and they all have very similar degrees, right? And so one of the things that the group that I walked around and toured with, as I said, you know, as a differentiator, uh, it's great to have the degree and to learn, you know, all of the stuff that's sitting behind the desk, but maybe if you don't have a job for the summer, you don't have an internship, find an integrator, and although you may think that like being the technician is maybe the lower job of maybe what you did not want to do, once you have that on your resume, number one, it differentiates you from everybody else in the room. Um, and number two, when you get to that part when you're doing maybe the software or the programming or the developing or the making of the new product, when you understand how it was actually installed, it makes you a much better person at a different job, right? So uh, learning that smaller piece, like doing that through a summer internship or maybe even working with like an integrator, you know, I had a couple college students that, we were flexible with their schedule so that they could still take you know, their college classes, but then they could work evenings um, and nights because we had the benefit of, we could work at different hours. Um, and so offering that flexibility, but that really helps to differentiate them when they're going for a job versus just that other person coming out with that, that degree.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I, if I'm looking at a future employee, I'm looking, I, we, we have a dearth of skill in our own profession. It's very different. It came down to the personality of that person able to fit into the team, and what potential they had done, which may not have been related to what they were actually doing, but how they, how they used their time, what their, their own individual approach was like. Now that's something that's in them, and you can teach them other basic skills, but you have to have the approach to the personality and the other personal attributes that you can't teach, they're innate. So I always go for that sort of approach. It's a fabulous thing. We, in the old days, we used to do mucking and do other jobs, you know. Uh, now, for some reason, we don't. I'm not entirely sure why. We're filling our time doing other things. I certainly did lots of stuff. And I'm, I'm now doing a profession. You know, I'm an arts graduate, and I'm writing about science, technology, medicine, IT, and, four and One. Who would have thought that 30 or 40 years ago? So, you know, it's given other, other disciplines. It's given me a different insight mm-hmm. into what is now incredibly different profession, you know, and it's been beneficial.
2: And I think that then leads us to, like, what, what we can keep doing, right? We, obviously, there is a crisis, we're trying to address that, but that leads us to a majority of the time hopefully is giving out tools and and tricks and resources and takeaways for the business owners in in the room who are watching the stream and anyone in addition to that who might wonder, well, that's all good, but how do I get started, right? What can I do to help my own company? And especially because I'm trying to grow my bottom line, right, that's my focus, I'm an AV company, that's my primary goal, Uh, but also same time, my projects keep growing as you noted, Clive, and our industry continues to accelerate and we need to fill that pipeline. Um, And so some of the feedback I can share to start the the panel off is uh, we're certainly doing our best to start attracting the younger generation quite directly at their schools. Um, Certainly I think middle school is a good time to start the younger, younger ages, but what our focus, at least at the Evixa Foundation, and Ian can speak to Cedia, is we're going after that 16 to 25 year old. First part again, visibility, right? Getting, getting the message out that this is a great career, they're already creative people who could again be paid for that great creative work already. Uh, and so that's I think half the battle there. And then offering those tools uh, to our, the companies in our industry to help them go out and tell their own story. Um, so I would uh, look to see maybe what uh, Deep was doing because you've had some real world success and uh, maybe how you've seen that happen
5: yeah so I mean of course, thanks to you guys we uh, we got a lot of uh help uh, both online as well as you know offline um, so you know i want to start off by saying that for for any business owner in the a v field or or the technology integrations uh, field, if talent is not one of your top three you know things that keep you up at night, then uh, I think you're special right i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so it's definitely a top three challenge, More, uh, you know, probably on par with things like cash flow and, uh, you know, uh, the other challenges that come with running a business. What we've try- what we want to take a conscious effort is we want to develop our own talent because every company is unique. Every company has a different culture. Every company has a different way of designing a system, implementing a system. And what we're kind of bound by or glued in together is by AVIXA standards. So that's where we started off from. We said that, you know, whatever we design, how, how, do, how do we tell the world that we're prescribing to a standard? Um, how, do we, how do we tell the world that what we're doing is in line with international quality in terms of install? Uh, so we took a, a step back and said that, it's very good to be an expert, but let's try to standardize whatever a technician builds. Let's try to standardize the way the engineers design and the way the engineers even do uh, programming. Um, what we what we did was uh, we, we first started doing this with our internal teams uh, slowly, and uh, we had some success, uh, which is when we went to the Avixa India team and they put us in touch with uh, the Avixa Foundation. So what we did is uh, we realized that we have three levels of of talent so one is of course the technician level talent the second level is uh, the end the applic what i like to call application engineering which is anything to do with design um programming um even project engineering and project management where you've already won the job and of course the one all right on top is more of business and business development sales marketing uh, we started off first with with uh, business development and sales and marketing, with uh, honestly limited success. We're still pushing through to make this uh, industry more about creative storytelling, more about telling customers uh, the realm of possibilities. The, uh, the next level, which we've had more success on, is taking engineering graduates who have a who have a double E or a CS uh, background. Having them work as apprentice, uh, you know, as interns on some of our projects, even tailgate some of the engineers on site. Um, you know, we we also liberal enough to have them talk to customers because when you're young and you start getting real world experience, the real world experience is actually talking to the customer because the customer is never going to think. Um, you know, um, you know, of trying to mollycoddle someone on site. He's, he's going to say it very direct. He the customer, he or she's going to say it very direct. So we value that the real world experience for a 22 year old who's shadowing someone can also even talk to a customer. And once they start getting success on site, that success and that muscle builds up, that's what we're going after. Um, we've built a good engineering team now um, across the realms of design and uh, application engineering, uh, project management, and you know the, the level level two I'm talking about, and that's something that I want to take up to the next level with uh, with, with yeah. the Alexa Foundation. Yeah, and as before
2: well. I know, Amanda has some I think success stories as well. I want to just come back and ask. One of the first challenges—it sounds like—the hurdles was as a business owner was convincing, or was it convincing, the engineering school, for example. Once they found out what that you were not asking for anything and that you were actually looking to help their business line, their bottom line, with their students, yeah. how did how did that help you get through the door as a business leader? Uh, for, with the school, or with the general, schools uh, with that you're the school? in, you're in fact recruiting, yeah. Yeah. So
5: uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll first start off by saying that. today we are at a level at which the students know and they ask can we join your company for doing something like this and for me that's a very big uh, success for us is when we are being recognized as an industry and a company that allows you to make the mistakes for six months shadow people get a taste of it and we also pay a small stipend for them to get interested um, and even move into our city from smaller cities that is something which uh, we stopped when we start about 18 months back. Uh, we still had a very tough time trying to convince schools that this is what we're trying to drive at. Um, at least in India, everyone's very uh, you know starry-eyed about working in in you know for a large IT company or a software company. Uh, most of them happen to be large um, American or European multinationals who can literally do a 2x or 3x on the pay uh, for a you know 22-year-old person. Now. We wanted to change that and say that, you know, by coming on board, we're going to show you how cool this, uh, this industry really is.
0: That's all for this week. We hope you found the discussions interesting and you'll be joining us for the next episode of Making Waves.